Duncan Daniel. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dear Daniel podcast. It's not a new episode. It's a new mini episode. What? Hey, whoa. Wow. So, yeah, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you so much. We really have. Thank you so much for everyone for supporting us during this hiatus. It was longer than we thought, but I think it's going to be a great thing for the show, for the future of the show, and for you, and for your children, (laughs) and for just, I don't know, humanity in general. I don't want Uh to oversell it, and this is not one of those things where I'm going to go out and try to oversell it you know, in like a marketing kind of way, but will our brief hiatus change your life for the better? Yes, it will. Guaranteed. Will (laughs) our returning ruin it? Who knows? Remains to be seen. But definitely the hiatus saved humanity. So new Dare Daniel. Wait, what did we do? New show? New concept? We worked on this for a while. Well, we didn't work on it for a while. <laughs> and then we worked on it for a while, which I think is, you know, it's an important thing to not work on things. It was a hiatus. Sue us. So we talked about how, are, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to change the show? We're just going to keep doing the same thing. We're going to flip it up. We're going to, you know, roll it around. We're going to add uh, cinnamon to it, mm-hmm. pepper flakes. What are we going to do to this thing, you know? So what we decided is for the the near future of the show, this next era of the show, we're going to do these kind of like seasons, you know? So we're taking the, um, I'm not familiar with podcasts. I don't right. exactly know what Still they are. Still don't know. The hiatus I'm, taught you nothing. <laughs> yeah. I did a ton of research too. This is, <laughs> this is so crazy. Like I, I, I tried to listen to so many podcasts. Do you just have to listen really hard? It's a little bit more than that. But it is. It's not much. As I cupped my hand to my ear and everything, and I really tried to pay attention, but I didn't hear any podcasts. But we, <laughs> you actually put cups to your ears, attached to string, and was like, "Where's the podcast?" Exactly. But like other podcasts that do seasons and don't just do one, you know, one thing after another, we're kind of taking a page out of that book. And instead of kind of jumping all over the place and doing a, a new movie or a new genre and a new everything, you know, week to week to week, we're going to do these short uh, short seasons where we focus on one subject, one actor or actress, one director, one genre, one decade, one type of character, something, whatever. We're just going to kind of focus on that for five to ten episodes in a row and just keep mixing it up and mixing up, which I think is going to be this a really fun way to kind of keep the show fresh, but also like let us do a deeper dive into things, which I think is going to be really fun. You'll also hear some of the format changes. The movies we're taking on, they're not all going to be total turds or well-renowned turds. They might be some of the better works from, from actors or directors. Yeah, we're just we're everything is uh, everything's on the table at this point, you know. So um, we still would love to hear from our listeners too about what you're kind of yes. interested in. But I think Corky, I said we're we're going to do a deep dive, and I think deep dive is an appropriate statement mm. because where we're starting with season two of Dare Daniel, everything else was season one. This is a season two, season yeah, two five, of Dare yeah, Daniel, five year season one. We're doing a deep dive. With a white whale. Oh. 
this actor that we're going to be talking about over the next several months, he's renowned. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's an understatement. Is he re- is he renowned yeah. for pushing the envelope of acting and challenging you to determine whether something is good or bad? There's an entire episode of Community devoted to the question: Nicolas Cage, good or bad? Yeah, it's Nicolas Cage. We've mm. only reviewed in our entire 123 episode history one. Yeah. One Nicolas Cage movie, Deadfall. And that came so late. It was like episode 80 something. So late in the game. And it wasn't by design, but once it once we recognized it, it kind of became a thing for us. Like, let's stay away as long as we can. Right. Because it's so known. Uh, and that's what made this such a an obvious choice for season two. Yeah, and there's whole other podcasts, I assume, yeah. that are devoted to <laughs> Nick Cage. You know, there's whole, whole other shows that do months of Nick Cage, yeah. and like the it, you know, this is like a big thing. Like this is a thing, and we're just kind of starting to dip our toe. Not like I've ever seen, never seen a Nick Cage movie for God's sakes, but we're gonna really kind of dive in and talk about Nick Cage and about his life his work his yeah. acting style and and really kind of get into it a little bit more so I he's think also really someone who fun. his over his uh i never can pronounce this word his over oeuvre yeah, his, close enough his oeuvre isn't complete he is a very prolific worker he's always got a project coming out or something that came out and you're like wow that came out what oh <laughs> what boy is this yeah so there's a lot of material and a lot of uh, a rich tapestry to mine from no I mean this uh, yeah again we could do years and years just on <laughs> just on Nick Cage I mean my god but for now we're gonna delve a little more into Nick Cage in preparation for season two of dare Daniel Colin cage match. Yeah, Ooh. whoa, we got a cage match here. Hang on, I love Woo. that. So, we're going to be reviewing six uh, at least six or maybe seven Nicolas Cage movies from various genres across several decades. We're going to kick it off in two weeks with our first full new episode since God, November, yeah, of last year for a while. Go to Facebook, go to Instagram. We'll have our full schedule posted there. But now let's talk a little bit about Nick Cage. Yeah. Corky. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. Nick Cage, good or bad? Unclassifiable. Wow. The, if, at this point. At yeah, this point. At this point. Ha- right? Yeah. Okay. I would typically, I would say good because of what I've seen him be capable of. But, and this is my big quantifier, every time I've seen him be good to great, it's been with a masterful director or of at course. least someone who can rein him. When he's not reined, you don't, you literally don't know what go- you're going to get. Yeah. And, but why, what, what's, why it's still unclassifiable and not just bad because he's putting out more shit than anything these days is he still capable of turning out some recent performances where you're like oh th- there he is there's the guy i i see i see him in there um but it's never a complete thing and he's also seems even nick cage can seem checked out because of the crap he's in it's like sure yeah he goes broad but it's like is he just going broad is he just like 
It's it's nothing to do with what he's, he's doing. He's bored. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the material has nothing to offer him. Yeah, he's got to put some kid through college or something. Yeah, that's fair enough. So in the community episode that I was referencing earlier, um, season five, episode two, introduction to teaching, it is understood by the end of the episode that this is not an answerable question. Oh, I've never seen I've never seen this episode. <laughs> there is no answer to this question because yes and yes and also no and and no. Right. right? Because like you you never know. You never know. You've seen him do things that are so fantastic. You've seen him seen him do things that seems completely wrong. You've yeah. seen him do things that seem like he's just making his own fun in something that's not very interested or yawning his way through something that's not very interesting it's just it's so hard to tell with Nicolas Cage but obviously he's singular you know I mean I think we'll we'll get into it a little bit more but I think that um he's this weird mix of like method acting but method acting is is geared to to come to some kind of a, a personal truth yeah, you know it's it's based off of a personal truth. Your your trauma informs the trauma of your character. He has method acting in the way of like you know he's eating bugs and like having his teeth pulled to like feel pain, but like it's not necessarily for like personal truth. It's for a much more theatrical effect, or maybe just a more like provoke a response to shock or disturb yeah. or kind of weird people out. You know, he's a weird guy as, as I'll talk about a little bit. And you know, he, I think he's drawn to weird roles and weird performances. He's a man in his mid sixties. I believe he's been a working actor for going into his fourth decade. Uh, and it still feels like his good or bad definition is TBD, which is weird. <laughs> That's crazy. Right? You know? And, <laughs> It's almost like he's still a precocious child, like, look at me, mm. look at me, look at me. Yeah. Like, he still no. has that, even though he's maybe in the role of a battle fleet commander or something, you know? It's like, what? Are you, what's happening? I don't get it. But, yeah. then, but then you watch him in other roles, and it's like, oh, he does know when to dial it back. He knows how to be two different people when he needs to be two different people. Uh, and he, needs, he knows when to be one consistent character. Yeah. I mean, I think as as we'll see that he there are different levels to Cage. It's not just one kind of him kind of screaming and freaking out kind no. of level. That's that's one of the levels for sure. Leaning heavily on that, but there's other there's other versions of Cage. So let's go a little bit into the okay. personal and professional background of one Nicholas Cage. Cage? No, Nicholas Coppola. Ooh. Of course, he's a member of the Coppola family. We have to start there. He adopted the stage name of Cage at a, a pretty young age, but his dad was August Coppola, brother of Francis Ford Coppola, brother of Talia Shire. Nicholas is the cousin of Sophia Coppola, Roman Coppola, Jason Schwartzman. You asked about his age. He's now 59 years old, turned ah. six, 60 in January. He's been married five times including to Patricia Arquette and Lisa Marie Presley, RIP. Currently married to Rico Shibata since 2021. He has three children, two grandchildren. Good for him. Bet you didn't even know that. No. Hot start to his career. I mean, yeah. you know, he's uh, you know, a couple of, you know, he, he 
He had changed, a leg in. Changed his name to Cage, but he still had a he still had an in that nobody he was, else. He had. was raised amongst people who were already in movies. Um, quickly stood out though for just his very odd behavior, his very unique look, and you know his extreme commitment to his role. So mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in the eighties, a lot of really good stuff in the late eighties and even in the early nineties. Moonstruck was a huge, mm-hmm. huge hit. Wild at Heart, I mean that's just a masterpiece. Con right winner, there. right? What's that? Con won the con the Palm Dior. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Palm Dior at Cannes. Um, Peggy Sue got married. Yeah. Shit, uh, you dir- know what? It directed never, by Francis Ford Coppola. It never dawned on me that was his uncle. Yeah. I, I uh, knew they were related, but it just never dawned on me. Right. <laughs> his career kind of hit a dead end in the first half of the 90s. Uh, it was Travolta style. You know, he had a lot of duds, a lot of movies that were barely released or or not released. Walk in the Clouds, Captain Corelli's Mandarin, Mandolin. E- even before that, um, Amos and Andrew. Oh yeah, Trapped in Paradise. Yeah, um, Deadfall. Deadfall. Right? Yeah, exactly. But he also had a Travolta like renaissance in the second half of the decade. He won an Oscar for Mike Figgis's Leaving Las Vegas in 1996, followed that up with a series of blockbusters that catapulted him in the unlikely fashion to the A-list. Ironically, one of those was with Travolta, right? Face Off? Face Off, yes. The Rock, Con Air, Face Off, Gone in 60 Seconds, National Treasure, Ghost Rider, then on to Sorcerer's Apprentice, Kick-Ass. He went mainstream. Although, yeah, he would still occasionally work with a Martin Scorsese, a Brian De Palma, Spike Jones, Ridley Scott, Werner yeah. Herzog. Mixed results, but you know, I mean, Eddie Murphy doesn't work with Scorsese and Spike Jones and no. Werner Herzog. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you take the risk in working with like a director like that you, because they're not. They don't give a shit. They're not there you, for you. Right? They're, they're, they're not for there vision. for you. Yeah. It's their vision. Eddie Murphy works with who he can tell what to do, like Tom Shadiak or something like that. Absolutely. So you were kind of talking about this early. It's a running joke that Cage just churns it out. Just, just boom, 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 boom. Looking at his entire career, look on Letterboxd, you filter out the shorts, the documentaries. Over 40 years of action, he's got about 100 credits, a little over 100. That's a lot. Yep. But it's two and a half movies a year. steady work, man. Two or three. That's steady work. However, boy, has it accelerated in recent years. 52 credits in the last 13 years. 40 and counting since 2013. The year's not over yet. That's four a year. That's really pounding them out. Um, He has also directed one film, Sunny, from 2002, starring James Franco. But yeah, it was in the early 2010s that Cage kind of followed Bruce Willis's lead and became this like staple of this direct to VOD garbage. He just cranked it the fuck out for the entire 2010s. It's a single title most of the yeah, time, like usually a single word. It's an adjective, you know, or right. something like that, like uh, uh, revenge, or and that's not an adjective, but you know what I'm saying. It's something like that. It's a single word. <laughs> He's on a cover with a dusty gun or something. Yes, usually with uh, sunglasses on or yeah. yeah, just almost trying to hide his participation in the movie. Yeah, so at the time, Cage said, yeah, it's because there's too many constraints when you make these blockbuster movies, and I want more freedom to experiment and to do weird stuff. 
uh, more likely it was because A, sagging box office returns, but B, more importantly, mounting financial problems caused by rampant overspending. Over the years, he bought properties all over the world. He bought a dinosaur. <laughs> He had a dinosaur that turned out to be stolen. He had to give it back. You also he, got four ex-wives, man. I mean, you got to get some checks coming in. He bought the most haunted house in America. He wanted <laughs> to own that. He felt he needed to own that. At one point, he went on a literal search for the Holy Grail. <laughs> Things were getting slightly out of hand. Okay? Like, it was not really working. In November... 2011 he had to sell his copy of action comics number one holy shit that's superman's first comic to pay off his taxes and other debts he did confirm in 2022 that he had paid off his debts and could could finally afford to be a little more selective with his roles and you can see that over the last few years like the projects that he's chosen are are more kind of like there's a little more commercial appeal there's a little more artistic appeal movies like pig or unbearable weight of mass talent renfield is the one that's in theaters now he's Um, working with other like a and b listers which he wasn't for several years so you know what it is i was thinking about this here's what it is it's like if you make a movie like um, on the scale of renfield Mm -hmm. right but when you make a movie like that that has like special effects and logistics and a-list talent and things like that you're you could probably churn out two or three v- straight to vod movies in the time that it took him to make renfield that's right. what it really is mm-hmm. right like it's just kind of like oh okay i can get three paychecks instead right. of this one for a movie that people will actually see and give a fuck about no i'm gonna take the three paychecks like right. okay like i need money right fucking now i i have like a debt to pay i have a monthly payment like that's due next week so yeah, yeah i think that's really what it was was just like it's it's quantity over quality all the way all the way and he got himself in a position because as hearts of darkness taught us famously that coppola's always make the best financial decisions (laughs) they're so good with money (laughs) and how are they so rich it makes no sense but (coughs) a lot of the films we're going to be reviewing in the coming weeks are from this like debt Period. So we're going to talk about this more, um, you know, in these episodes. As I was doing research on this, I thought this was interesting. Cage has described his acting method as nouveau shamanic. Mm. He would. He really would, wouldn't he? Any thoughts on that? It it sounds like something an actor would say. As someone who's really actory about their acting, (laughs) I'm nouveau shamanic. So Christian Bale also was talking one time about how he doesn't have an accent. Like Mm. he was raised as an actor in so many different locales that his accent is like a mishmash of Australian, British, American. Mm -hmm. And that's like, Whoa, like you didn't develop the way we all develop by hearing the same sounds every day. Right. Nick cage growing up in such an artist, rich family, he might not ever have developed actual who Nick Cage is. <laughs> he's just a character, like his whole life, right? Because he's always fighting for screen time, even in his family. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So no, it's like that that's sense. just in his nature to be out there when he needs to be out there to get the limelight. Uh, I fully, fully agree. Yeah. So he's probably still playing out all that like 
I still need to sh- <laughs> like yes. shine somehow, even though it's like I'm the fucking cage. That's what like, I'm saying. He's like 60. He's a grandpa, but he's still a precocious kid on screen sometimes. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. We get it. And I will say that um, Christian Bale does actually have an accent. And it sounds like play this, doesn't it? All right. So. And that was him and Les Mis. Oh. Sorry. No. <laughs> wasn't you even... play castle on a play cloud on the master of the play house. You're... That's him in Empire of the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Quirky. Yeah. Nick Cage, good or bad? We've decided it's unanswerable. Unanswerable. We really shouldn't get into it. Um, a, a couple other questions. Just first, first thing that comes to your mind. Big cage, small cage. Big cage. Big cage. All right. Weird cage, blockbuster cage. Weird cage. Weird cage. Oh, okay. We love small and weird. All right. That's good. That's good. I love big cage, I said. Big cage. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Big and weird. Yeah. Big and weird. Even better. Yeah. So, but okay. My big and weird cage is H.I. McDonough. Oh, raising Arizona. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, that's. It doesn't get any better than that for Nicolas Cage or the Coen brothers or humanity. Right. Uh, my small and weird adaptation. Oh. That's when he, to me, he should have got an award for. He really should have. Is just such a fucking bravura performance of two distinct characters who are actual people. Uh, or, or one of them is an actual person. Yes. And, but he's not, he's not doing an impersonation of that person. But he's he's not Nick Cage, no. In either role, and yeah. it's fucking great. No, that's the that's the one that really, if you were to, if you are making the argument, Nicolas Cage is a great actor. Yeah, that's the movie to show people. Yeah. I mean, I've Raising Arizona, um, Wild at Heart. You know, those movies are very special to me, more special than adaptation. But if you were to talk Nicolas Cage. What's the movie that proves Nicolas Cage can act? I would say adaptation yeah. because yeah, he's playing two distinctly different characters. He he is going big yeah. at times, but it, it, it's this is like why he's he can be great to me is that he can like hit these completely contrasting tones, these different levels. And you know, do it even with two different characters. So yeah, to me, that's that's as good as it gets with uh, Nicolas Cage. Um, Mandy is another one as far as recent movies. Haven't again, seen the, it. The 2010s were were pretty rough for for Cage, as it seems. But I think uh, Mandy is a, a great movie, and I have a soft spot in my heart for Peggy Sue got married. Yeah, I mean, I, I think his performance. He's so got, he's. That's where I was like, he's weird, but he's so good, like likable yeah. weird, and he, he was he got, sensitive. He got killed for that performance too. Did I mean, he? Because yeah, because it's really weird. It's really weird, and it it hits a lot of weird notes. But what I love is that it's so sincere. Yes, like, and it's so heartfelt. Like you really feel that. Like it's kind of cool that like here's a guy who was cool in his high school, and he's a real idiot. <laughs> like, yes. and you can see that as an outsider. Like how how much of a, a nitwit he is, and. But how how sweet he is at the same time. So yeah, it's a really good performance for me. What are some of the uh, Nick Cage performances that you weren't such a fan of? And again, there's a lot to choose from. Uh, Kiss of Death. Um, the Kiss mo- of Death. <laughs> the movie where he's he can't have the taste of metal in his mouth. It's like that's such a thing you know he brought to that. 
That's the movie where we meet him. He's bench pressing a, a stripper. <laughs> and it's just like Nick Cage just wanted to do weird shit and didn't have a director to rein him in. Oh, I'm I'm fully on board for Kiss of Death. For uh, Nick Cage and Kiss of Death. I'm you sure. love it? Oh, I love him. Oh, wow. I that didn't like him. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of him in Face Off. That's another time where I'm watching it. Yeah, I get you. I'm like, you don't have to do this shit that you're doing. That's yeah. where... The Coen brothers would have reined him in. Coppola would have reined him in. Um, yeah, so I'm not a fan of like that kind of stuff. Have I seen him in stuff? Re- I haven't really seen him in much recently. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched much of his recent output. Uh, I I've seen uh, Pig, which is a, a good performance, but it's you know kind of a other than its sort of hook of an idea is not pretty standard indie type movie um and i've seen unbearable way to massive talent which he's he's good in but it's not a you know great movie or anything like that so gotcha. i haven't seen haven't seen renfield looking back at some of my least favorite cages i mean some obvious one like amos and andrew is one that i talked about trapped in paradise is one i talked about some of these like recent movies like season of the witch or drive angry or ghost rider colon spirit of vengeance eight millimeters terrible next to knowing which i don't know which movie is which but they're both bad yeah so a lot of bad stuff and um, we're gonna get in some even worse stuff i imagine with some of these straight to vod movies but i would say there's like two veins of cage that i really dislike one is that blockbuster cage that we talked about con air the rock on a 60 seconds natural treasure Oh boy. Cage as like a hero or a regular guy or someone we're supposed to identify with in that kind of way is just, it doesn't work. It just doesn't, I don't, yeah. It's off. And he tries to be so kind of like, so heavy and monotone. It's just, it's, it's, it's a waste. It's a waste of a perfectly good cage. But to me, the worst cage, oh, the worst simpering sad sack cage and there's two movies that i'm i'm thinking of specifically from the 1990s it could happen to you Mm -hmm. in which he plays a smiling sweet little new york city cop yeah right oh yes and even worse than that city of fucking angels with meg (laughs) ryan oh my god he plays an angel who falls in love with Meg Ryan and he just simpers and pouts and broods and mumbles. And even worse, it's a remake of the great Them Vendors yeah. film. Um, Same name, Wings, right? Wings of Desire. Well, no, okay, no, yeah. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible movie. Um, and just terrible cage. That's the worst cage. So I, I hope at least we don't get any sad sack cage. Right. I don't How know weird exactly. is it that a, in Birdie he played the like the straight laced guy that was <laughs> Matthew Modine was the weirdo? <laughs> right. <laughs> they Great they casting. totally weird casting for that one. Yeah. Really. So that's that's our thoughts on yeah. Nick Cage, and I think this is good that we talked about this a little bit to you know kind of prepare people for this six or seven straight reviews about Nick Cage and Big Cage, Small Cage, Weird Cage, Blockbuster Cage, Blonde Cage, Brunette Cage, Shorn I mean. Cage, Long Hair Cage, Buff oh, Cage, Skinny ooh. Cage, Ooh, Young Cage, Old Cage. This is the ring walk to the cage match. Yes, this is a true cage match. So I hope you join us in two weeks where we're going to review 
Nicolas Cage in Vampire's Kiss from mm. 1989. This is a notorious movie. He ate a live cockroach. He ate a live cockroach. And then a few years later, he starred in Con Air. What? <laughs> it could happen to you. As Alvin Flang would say, what? <laughs> all right, so that's all we got for you. I hope you join us in two weeks. I hope you are excited that we're back. We're excited to be back. We're excited for you. Quirky, what do you got? Uh, not much right now, man. Just I'm excited for this new direction. Excited for season two. New That's directions. New directions are good, man. New directions are good. All right. How so about we'll you, Dan? A... Oh, what am I excited about? Yeah. What aren't I excited about? <laughs> Most things. That <laughs> goes without saying. Ah, why did I put, trap myself like that? Know. No, I'm excited about just doing, doing the podcast again. I'm excited to hear yeah. from our, our listeners again, if there are any listeners still. And if there aren't, you know what? We just put this out into the universe, man. We just beam it out. Their kids and their kids' kids will come into the it. cosmos. Yeah. Well, their kid, their kids won't. Their kids' kids might. I think their grandkids, grandkids, grandkids are gonna think this show is the bee's knees because everything's <laughs> gonna be like 1920s flapper style back. for some reason. I don't know why they're gonna be like, "Wow, 23 Skidoo, this show's really good." <laughs> I tell you what. This shows the cat's pajamas. You don't listen to that, you long-legged Jasper? Why don't you beat it on your walking sticks? That's the grandkids' grandkids. Some in the twenty-three hundreds. Wow, flappers! It's it's all coming all back. Technology is cyclical. Everything's it's- cyclical. Hope to hear from everyone in two weeks. Have a great summer. Talk to us. Hit us up. Donate on the PayPal. Comment on the Schmied. What I don't even know what we what else do we do here, Corky? That's it. You are you still gotta work out what a podcast is, Dan, and how to get it across to people. I I'm fairly sure that I understand. Is it, it can I? Sure. May I? Please close this out this way. It's a building that <laughs> is built underground so that the bottom floor is on the top. Is that even close? Nailed it. How close is that? Did in I really one. get that? Yeah. Did I fucking one, finally? God. God. All right. Okay. Well, goodbye, everybody. See you.